If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. I'm going to begin a brand new series today, uh, Felt Led of the Lord. And uh, the title of the series will be turned into the book of Revelation. The title of the series is Overcomers, Lessons from the Churches of Revelation. In the, the second and third chapters of Revelation, Jesus has John the Beloved pen letters to seven churches. And we're going to talk more about that as, as time goes by. But in, in almost every letter, there is a promise that the, the, the exalted Jesus Christ makes to him who overcomes. And you know, we face a lot in this world, but I believe we're called to be overcomers. Come on. We are called to be overcomers. And so I'm excited to share this series with you. Uh, today is uh, a prelude. We're going to begin beginning next week go through the, the letters to the seven churches. I believe there is much there to apply to the church in 2024. And uh, we're going to go through the specific letters. But today is a prelude to that. And uh, we begin in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We'll have it up on the screen for you, beginning with verse 9. Says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis. Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades right there for what you have seen and what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. 
The title of this first message in our series is Lord of the Church. Lord of the Church. I want us to ask ourselves two questions this morning. First, what is the church? What is the church? We're going to be talking about the church. It's good to know what the church is, isn't it? The church is not a building, an institution, or a social club. It's not a denomination. The church is people. We are the church. The word church in the New Testament is from the Greek word ekklesia, which means called out ones. It was used uh, of uh, those who had gathered at the city gates for a town meeting. And in the context of the New Testament, it means those who have been called out of the world for a special purpose by Almighty God. Second question is, who controls the church? The church is not controlled by the pastor, by deacons, by denominational leaders, or even by the membership. It is controlled by Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And Colossians 1.18 refers to him as the head of the church. If that is the case, then, I want to ask a question. I ask this not only of you, but of myself. If he controls the church, why do we so often busy ourselves with proclaiming our ideas of what the church should be? It's a good question, isn't it? Why not acknowledge the authority of the Lord of the church? The Apostle John here was in a situation in which he was confronted with Jesus Christ as the authority on the church. He was a prisoner on the island of Patmos, a Roman penal colony off the coast of modern Turkey. And he was there for no other reason than that, than that he preached the word of God and proclaimed Jesus as Lord in a world, in a society where Caesar, the emperor, was worshipped as Lord. John wrote the letters to the seven churches that are listed here, which, uh, though they were real churches in Asia Minor, they represent the church as a whole. And John also wrote the entire book of Revelation because the Lord of the church wanted to communicate to his church. He wanted them to know, and us to know as the church today, how to live in a troubled world. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ in general, and Harvest Church in particular, are at a crossroads right now. The message of today's passage and the letters to the seven churches that follow are as relevant today as they were to John's original readers. I believe that with all my heart. But to receive and properly respond to his message, we must first acknowledge his right to exercise authority over his church. We must emulate John by acknowledging Jesus as the Lord of the church. Question I want to answer in the next few minutes is this. How must we acknowledge Jesus as Lord of the church? How must we acknowledge Jesus as Lord of the church? The first way we acknowledge him as Lord of the church is that we must hear his powerful voice. 
We must hear his powerful voice. John describes his situation, the state he was in when he heard the Lord's voice. First of all, he says it was on the Lord's day, which refers to the first day of the week, the day upon which Jesus rose from the dead and the day upon which the early church worshipped. The Old Testament Sabbath was our Saturday, the last day of the week. But Jesus rose the first day of the week. You knew that, right? And that's why we worship on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And John says it was on the Lord's Day. I, I, I find it so instructive that though he was on an island, though he was in solitary, if you will, he was by himself, yet he was having church on the Lord's Day. He kept track of the, uh, of the calendar, didn't he? He says, it was the Lord's Day, and he says, I was in the Spirit. What does he mean by that? He meant that he was focused upon spiritual things. That whatever else concerned him in his situation, he says, I wasn't concerned about things around me. I was in the spirit. I was focused on spiritual things. That's also instructive for us, isn't it? Boy, we, you know... Uh, I'm sure John could have had enough distractions, but our, our, the, the, the level of our uh, uh, potential distraction today is off the charts, isn't it? Even while we're sitting in church. But I was in the spirit. I was focused on spiritual things. Scripture is replete with examples of godly men who were in the spirit so God could communicate with them. Ezekiel in Ezekiel 1.12, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12.1 are two. They were focused on spiritual things. And while he was worshiping on the Lord's day and in the spirit, it says that he heard something. He heard a voice like a loud trumpet. No doubt reminding John of the loud trumpet blast heard when God spoke to Israel at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. Can you imagine what it must have been like to hear a voice described as like the sound of a loud trumpet? Now, some people have louder voices than others. You ever sit in a crowded restaurant and there's that normal hum, you know, of voices and you just tune it out. But from way across the room, there's one part, the, the timber of their voice, they don't, they, they don't know it, they don't realize it, they don't mean to be loud. They're speaking at a normal level for them, but something about the timber of their voice, and you can hear every word they say from across the room. Right? Maybe some of those people are here. Maybe it's us. But this was a loud voice, a voice like a tra It got John's attention. I believe when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks, it should get our attention. And all of us probably, if we were to be honest, are guilty of too many times sloughing off the voice of God, however it comes to us, through a sermon, through a scripture, through a word given by a, a Christian brother or sister. We need to recognize the voice of God for what it is today. A voice like a loud trumpet. And then he also heard, spoken by that voice, a command to write what he saw and send it to the seven churches. In verse 11... Letting John know that what he would witness and record would be of great significance. Now these seven churches uh, mentioned here in verse 11, 
they were seven churches located about 50 miles apart from the one to the, uh, to the furthest one from it and could be traveled roughly in the form of a semicircle. These churches may have been postal centers serving geographic regions. And John heard the voice, the powerful voice of Jesus Christ. I want you to do something for me. It's going to seem odd, but, you know, it's not the first time I've asked you to do something odd. I want you right now, everyone, to start a conversation out loud with the person next to you. I told you it would be odd. Talk about the weather talk about the playoffs, talk about, and, and go, go ahead and just start talking. And when you hear me talking, when you hear me talking, don't stop until I say, okay, that's it, okay? So when I say, okay, that's it, then you stop. But if you just hear me talking, saying anything else, don't stop, okay? So go ahead, start your conversation. Come on, come on. Start your conversation. Go ahead, don't be, don't be afraid to be loud enough so they can hear you. You know, this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. God is so good. The sky is blue. The grass is green. Really listen to him. The carpet's green like the grass. Okay, stop. How many can repeat everything I said? Nobody. Why? You were talking to each other. We have a limited capacity to focus our attention, don't we? Now, some are better than others. Wives are usually better than husbands. Let's just admit that, guys, before they remind us of it. But all of us have a limited capacity to focus. And we need to hear the voice of the Lord today. What distractions are in your life and my life that would prevent us from hearing the word of the living Christ? Does Jesus have a hard time getting a message through to you and me is the question. Whether we can always be in the regular church services or not, we must give the Lord his time. He desires to speak to us. How long has it been since you felt there was a specific message for, for, for you? Not a general message, but that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, was speaking to you. And you knew deep down in here. You didn't hear an audible voice, but you knew deep down in your spirit, the Lord was speaking specifically to you. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Often there are things in our lives, whether it's sin or whether it's uh, other pursuits that may prevent us from hearing the Lord's voice. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned and the Lord came walking in the Garden of Eden to fellowship with them as before, what did they do? They ran and hid because they were cognizant of their sin. How often has God spoken to us through a sermon, a prophecy, the scriptures, a circumstance, a word of counsel? Maybe we've heard it nodded our heads. 
giving it thought for about five minutes, and then gone and lived our lives like we never heard from him at all. We've all done that, haven't we? Church, we need to wake up and realize that that loud voice like a trumpet is speaking to us. God is speaking. Does he have your attention? Does he have my attention today? The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. When we listen to his voice, when we say speak, remember in the Old Testament when God was speaking to the, vo the boy Samuel, when he finally realized it was the Lord, he said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can we say that to Jesus Christ today? Lord, speak to me. Lord, I need a word from you. I want to hear a word from you. Lord, speak to me. We acknowledge him as Lord of the church when we hear his powerful voice. Secondly, we must acknowledge him as Lord of the church by valuing his holy presence. John turned to see who was speaking to him and he saw, first of all, he says, seven golden lampstands. Now verse 20 tells us that these lampstands represent the seven churches to whom John will be writing. In the tabernacle there was one lampstand with seven lamps, while here there are seven lampstands. Seven is the biblical number of completeness, you know that. Thus these lampstands and the seven churches together represent the church universal, as I mentioned earlier. And he says further, and among the lampstands was someone. And he goes on to give a ninefold description of this someone. I want you to listen to this. Someone like a son of man. Jesus' favorite uh, designation for himself while he walked on the earth was the son of man. Uh, it was also used in Daniel chapter 7, 13 of the pre-incarnate Christ. Secondly, he describes him by saying his robe was reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. This speaks of priestly garments, the priestly function of Jesus. He said his hair, head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. This speaks of his age and his holiness, his, his everlasting uh, existence. It says his eyes were like blazing fire, penetrating eyes, seeing into one's soul. Can you imagine John's vision of the eyes of Jesus peering into him? It says his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, uh, which speaks of treading upon something. Treading upon something in Scripture speaks of victory over uh, that which is trodden under. It says his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Now we've heard the sound of a loud trumpet, now the sound of rushing waters, which speaks of authority. In his right hand he held seven stars. Verse 20 tells us the stars were, uh, reg stars were uh, regularly in, engraved on the emperor's coins, but verse 20 tells us here they're in Christ's hand. He hold the, holds the angels in his hand. It says, out of his mouth, I'm going to talk about the angels in a, in, a, in a little bit later, out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. This speaks of the word of God. Jesus, when he was on the earth, always spoke the word of God. And it says his face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. In other words, it was a glory too bright to behold. The appearance of Christ to John was one of dazzling brilliance. And it says he was walking among the lampstands. The glorious Christ was in his church. 
You know, Jesus is not like the property owner who, uh, you know, has someone to take care of his property and never takes note of what's happening there. Got someone to manage it. Don't have to worry about it. No, Jesus is intimately involved with the everyday occurrences in his church. And remember, it's his church. No matter how imperfect the church may be, it's still his church. This is his church, pastored by an imperfect pastor, for sure. Full of imperfect members, for sure. People who make mistakes, for sure. People with flaws, for sure. But it's his church. The church is not a man-made organization that we can arrange according to our own ideas. It is a living organism, a house in which the Lord Jesus dwells by his spirit. Everything the church does must bring him glory, for he must be seen in the church. We must recognize and value the presence of Jesus in his church. God forgive us for the times we come to the house of God, we gather as the church and go through a routine and a ritual without a thought but to the fact that the Lord Jesus is walking up and down these aisles. We get so tied up in our preferences and our desires. Listen, there are there as many types of people as there are in the world, there are that many different styles of church. Styles of worship, styles of preaching, types of programs. And while not everyone is a Bible preaching and teaching church, so many of them are. There, there, there are enough types, my point is there are enough types of churches to, 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 for someone to find our preference. But ultimately it's not about our preference, it's about the presence of God. It's about coming together and meeting with Almighty God. Church, let's recommit in 2024 that we are going to place supreme value upon the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit. It's great, listen, it's great to come and fellowship with one another. I've said this for almost 32 years now since the beginning of our church. I love hearing people come together and outside my office door before I come out. And then when I come out, I see you and we're talking and we're fellowshipping and having a good time and smiling and laughing. I love that. We're here to fellowship with one another. But let's not forget, ultimately, we're here to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. His presence. He's Lord of the church and we acknowledge him by valuing his presence. Thirdly, we must recognize his supreme authority. John's reaction uh, was in verse 17, he said, I fell at his feet as though dead. He was overcome by the majesty of Christ's appearance. And Jesus responded, responded to that in two ways. First, with compassion. Scripture says he touched him and said, don't be afraid. If you look up in your concordance how many times the phrase fear not appears, you'll see it's a whole bunch of times, almost all the time it's found in the Gospels because that was Jesus' message. And I know we don't always like people telling us how to feel, right? But when Jesus says fear not, when Jesus says don't be afraid, there's, po there's power in that. Because he's the one who calmed the sea. He's the one who spoke peace. 
And so he said to John, he touched him and said, don't be afraid. And then he made a declaration. He said this, I am the first and the last. The beginning and the end. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says that when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he conquered the final enemy. He conquered death. And so he said, I hold the keys. You know what keys are. Keys are a symbol of authority. Keys speak of access, of control. When you have keys to a place, you, 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 you have authority, right, to enter that place. You, you have control. You are in authority. We need to recognize his supreme authority. He's in control. And so many times we forget that. Because as I said before, we're so concerned with my preferences and my desires and what I, how I think it should be. And I just want to say, and I'm, I'm, I'm subject to the same thing, and I just want to say, Lord, how, how do you think it should be? Lord, what are you saying to us? Lord, I recognize your authority. This morning, each of us have to ask ourselves, does the Lord's authority, is the Lord's authority evident in my life and how I live my life? You know, I don't care who we are, I don't care how high a position we have in our employment or how uh, highly respected we are, every one of us has some sort of authority, earthly authority over us. You go flying down here, down Beulah Street at 60 miles an hour, you're going to see a red and blue light signaling authority over you. Am I right? And, and so we're all subject to authority. But yet when it comes to the things of God, we have this notion sometimes that it's about doing our own thing. God help us. Do you ever hear somebody say, well, I know what the Bible says, but... And it doesn't matter what comes after the but because it's all nonsense. If we call ourselves children of God, people of the book, then there's, there's no but after I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says, and I'm under its authority. And how many would agree that the commands of, of God, the Word of God in Scripture, and what God speaks into our heart, sometimes it gets in our business, right? God ever get in your business? Boy, it got really, really, really quiet. God gets in our business. God, God, like I like to say, wants to rearrange the furniture sometimes. But he has the authority. He has the authority. He has the right. We need to recognize his authority. Our attitude needs to be, Lord, I acknowledge your authority in my life. That, that's a prayer we need to pray repeatedly. Lord, you are in control. Lord, bring whatever is in my life that's not pleasing to you, that's not under your authority. Lord, bring it. I, I want to bring it under your authority. If we have a fresh revelation of who Christ is, there will be absolutely no room for any pride or rebellion. It's a privilege and our protection for us to be under the authority of the one who is over all. 
When we do our own thing, we're like the Israelites who would have, uh, like they would have been if they went out of the cloud of God's protection in the wilderness. You know, when, when, when my kids were growing up, and it's the same for you parents, you know, they were subject to the, the authority of my wife and myself, and they didn't always like it. None of your kids ever felt that way, have they? But you exercise that authority. And any, any good parent knows that you can't always be your child's best friend. Sometimes you have to be the authority. Matter of fact, all the time. You have, you have to be the parent. You have to be the authority. You have to be unpopular. Why? Because you want what's best for your child. Because you know better. And it's for their protection that you many times say no. The same with us and the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times he says no because it's for our protection because he knows best. Lord, you know best. We think we know. The saying goes, man proposes but God disposes. He knows best. So we must uh, recognize his supreme authority and fourthly, to acknowledge him as Lord of the church, we must give him our unquestioned obedience. That follows from recognizing his authority. In verse 19, Jesus said to John, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. And John did exactly as he was told. He did not question or protest. He simply obeyed. What a novel concept. Simply obey. Someone once said selected obedience is not obedience at all. It is merely convenience. You know... A few of you were with us when our church started, started in a shopping center, the Sacramento Center uh, on Richmond Highway back in 1992. And uh, we had several spaces there uh, adjoined to each other and you know, it, was a, it was a great beginning for us. And next to us on, on the right side of our place was a veterinarian, uh, a, a vet. And um, when, our, when our kids were little, this was the early 90s, my wife and I, we, um, uh, we bought them a little puppy. And, uh, you know, they were excited and we were excited. Of course, we had to start taking care of it, but you know how that is. But, but, but we were all excited. And so without giving it a whole lot of thought, we just started taking our puppy to the vet that was right next to the church. And we did that for a while. And um, after a while, we, we thought about there was, a, uh, and we, don't, we, don't live, we didn't live that far from the church, but down a little closer to our home was another uh, veterinarian. And uh, their prices were a, little, a bit cheaper. And we thought it was a little more convenient to uh, start taking our puppy to the vet, veterinarian closer to home. Uh, but I had, we had never, I'd never said anything to the, and we, we kind of, from, from being there, you know, in and out during the week, and, and so, you know, we kind of developed a little bit of a relationship with the owner there, but I'd never said anything to her about why we stopped um, uh, taking our puppy there. And, um, you know, after a while, the Lord spoke to me and said to me, um, you know, when people leave your church and, Every church has people leave. The Lord said to me, you don't like it too much when they, when they just stop coming and they don't tell you why. 
which is true, and every pastor knows it. And, 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 and the Lord said to me, how do you think that Julia, her name was, how do you think the owner of that vet, that, that vet how do you think she would feel? You need to go and tell her. And my first reaction was, really? <laughs> but I was convicted. This may seem trivial to you, but I was convicted. And so I went and spoke to her and told her. It wasn't easy. Hey, we like you. You're great. There's one, somebody closer and we'll save a little money. And it's more convenient. And so we've started going there. And I, that was a hard thing. It had been a lot easier not to say anything, but I did. And I just felt that burden lift. Why? Because I was obedient. I was obedient. Now, I'm not here to tell you every time the Lord's told me something, I've been readily obedient. I've failed at that, as we all have. But I'm here to tell you, no matter how simple or trivial it may seem, when we're obedient in the, the simplest matters as well as the most uh, consequential, there, there is a burden that's lifted. And it's, it's so freeing to know that I don't always have to figure it all out. I have to seek the Lord of the church and be obedient to him. Are you, you, you with me? You understanding what I'm saying? What has God told you to do? Whether it's giving the, the, the tithe that the Lord commands us in Scripture, seeking help for a problem, making peace with a brother or sister, changing your behavior in a certain area, begin using your gifts for Him. The list can go on and on. What is God speaking into your life? How different would our lives be if we just decided, I will obey, Lord, it doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what you want, whatever you impress on my spirit, that's what I'm going to do. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die every day. What do you mean by that? You know what he meant. We know what he meant. I die to my own desires. I die to my flesh. I die to my wishes. I die to my preference. I die to my agenda, and I seek your agenda. I seek your preference. I seek your wishes, your desires. That's what obedience is. It's death to self. And so I encourage us, let us determine that we will, to the best of our ability, uh, obey the Lord of the church. We need to give him our unquestioned obedience. I don't know what God's speaking into your heart. I don't know what God is saying to you. But whatever he says to you, like, like, like Mary, his mother, at the wedding of Cana, said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. How many know what I'm talking about? You've hesitated for a while when God's spoken to you, and then you gave in, and you just felt that release. In conclusion, this morning, verse 20 talks about the golden lampstand, says they represent the seven churches. The seven stars, it says, are the angels of the several churches. Uh, very likely is referring, the, the word angel actually in the Greek means messenger, and very likely could be referring to the pastors of those churches. And so John was instructed to pen letters to the, the messengers or the pastors of these seven churches, and we're going to begin looking at those next week. But to receive his message, we must first acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord of the church. How do we do that? We acknowledge him by hearing his powerful voice. Can the Lord Jesus get your attention today? amidst all the distractions. We acknowledge him as Lord of the church by valuing his holy presence. 
And you know, his presence isn't just here on Sunday morning in church, amen? How many have felt God's presence in your car, on the subway, in your home, in your yard, wherever it might be? Valuing his holy presence. Thirdly, we acknowledge his lordship by recognizing his supreme authority. Lord, it's your church. Lord, you're in control. And fourthly, by giving him our unquestioned obedience. Lord, it doesn't matter what. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I encourage us today, let us acknowledge him anew and afresh as Lord of the church.